0: Getting split, Getting, split Getting split ready. Getting split ready. Getting split ready. For my wife, God rest her soul. Oh God, I'm so sorry. No, no, no. She's not dead. We're just divorced. Unscripted and honest discussions on divorce and separation. Getting split ready. What was
1: I supposed to tell him? I divorced you from the chat.
0: Here's your hosts, Doug Cats and Mariah Pleasant.
1: Alright, we're here with our October episode of Getting Split Ready. And great panel today, with us today is David Lewis, owner, mediator, certified divorce financial analyst and collaborative financial neutral owner of Lewis Mediation Services, LLC. And um, a member of the Modest Means Committee, right? Is it the committee? What is it called, Modest Means Group Committee?
0: Yeah, I'm the chair of the Collaborative Divorce Illinois Modest Means Program
1: Committee. Right, and we're gonna be talking about that a little bit later and also with us is Jessica Bonquist, owner of Greenwich Law Group, also a partner over there, past president of CLII, and what I love is not only a family law attorney, but you are also you also do estate stuff as well, right? Yep. Yes. We're going to be talking a lot of financial stuff, and that's a, a great piece. So we're going to jump right in. And this one, actually, I'm glad that you recommended this one, Mariah, because right now, I got a senior. We're starting to look at, at colleges, um, or actually, we're in the midst, not even just starting, but financial aid. And I think we have a great panel to talk about financial aid, divorce and all that. So Mariah, take it away.
2: You know, October is Halloween. It's the beginning of fall, but it's also the month that you can file your FAFSA. And I know this because I'm a financial nerd, um, but everybody needs to know that. You just
1: not not even just financial.
2: All right, it's true. Um, everybody needs to know that you can file your FAFSA in October if you're prepared, because a lot of schools are first come first serve for financial aid. Uh, And it matters, so getting, and let's be honest, if you start something in October that requires the collection of a lot of financial documents, for some people that'll happen in October, (laughs) for some people that means it'll happen in November or December, but it's still faster than a lot of people do. Um, Only 25% of people who file their FAFSAs actually do it in the month of October. And so if you know that there's a specific school that you wanna go to, timing matters. Um, a lot of people,
3: Mariah, doesn't it matter for states too? Is it, I, I, I feel like I've heard that states, right? like certain states run out of money. Like Illinois runs out of money really quickly kind of thing. Is that also true?
2: Yep. Yep. Also true. So the sooner that you can get it done, the better. Um, it also matters. So when you're filling out the FAFSA, you put the schools that you want to receive the information on the FAFSA, they can see that list. So if you put the school that you really wanna go to as number six and they're trying to figure out how they're gonna allocate financial aid, maybe you get what you would normally get, but maybe not because it doesn't look important. So when you're listing your schools, make sure you list them in the order of which you actually wanna attend them. Um, So you fill out the FAFSA, the Free Application for uh, Financial Student Aid, which gives you the expected family contribution. What a lot of people don't know is that is an expected family contribution amongst all the kids. So if you have one kid in college, that's what you're going to pay for one. If you have three kids in college, that's what you're going to pay for three. They're going to look to put aid in for the rest of the money. So if mom or dad have been thinking about going back to school, guess who also qualifies as a student? Mom or dad. So there's a way to financially plan for that as well. The FAFSA currently gets filled out by the custodial parent. Who's the custodial parent? The person they spend the most nights with. So we're doing a lot more week on, week off or 50-50 parenting. It's important as you get to the juncture where you're at, Doug, where you have a kid that's looking at college to figure out where it benefits you to have the custodial parent be, generally the lower income earner. Wait, so, Mariah,
3: a, can I, the, can the I the ask a question here. here? Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> a, a, lot of, a lot of our agreements will say, you know, there is no custodial parent, except for purposes of taxes and a school registration, this is the parent, that who's in charge, and um, does is that sufficient for the FAFSA? I, I mean, especially, I mean, there are equal parents, right, like basically equal where, you know, yeah, especially you know if you have someone who's living in the same town, right, yeah. or the same school district, so you don't have to worry about the whole Illinois, you know, how many nights they lay their head down, right, right? Uh, which is what we have to do for Illinois for schooling. But what if, you, you know, you're you don't have to worry about that, and you know the is it enough to say you know parent X is the custodial parent for purposes of registering for school. It can be. But what if
2: the person that you name as parent X is the person who has, you know, the family home in, you know, the town they grew up in, and that's the person who makes three times more than the other parent, yep. that's not actually the parent you want to be the custodial parent for these purposes. So sophomore year in high school, you got to kind of get your ducks in a row and figure out what makes the most sense, especially if it's equal parenting, right, they can spend one more Saturday night at dad's house if that's what makes sense. Um,
1: but does that, throw anything, does that throw anything else askew? If you're planning, you know, if you're doing everything just from the standpoint of school, but you make someone a custodial parent, what else does that potentially throw off kilter
2: or anything? It depends on your agreement and how old your kids are, right? If they're two, if they're 17, it's different. Um, a lot of times they'll look at the driver's license. The FAFSA requires a copy of your driver's license. So oh. make sure that the kid puts, the correct address for what they want to use for college on their driver's license. Um, If the custodial parent has remarried, then it's both parents' income, mom and stepdad or dad and stepmom. So if someone's engaged and your kids are almost college age, maybe a really long engagement, maybe the other parent becomes the custodial parent for that purpose, because it costs a lot of money. But if you're gonna get married, And your spouse to be has three kids in college, that could save you money because the expected family contribution would be divided amongst however many kids.
3: So what's the one back period?
2: uh, Mixing Mm -hmm. financial in my head, I believe it's two. I'd have to double check that and get back to you though. Um,
0: I think this is another really good example of where you know a couple can make good decisions that are win-win decisions for them. Um, it's sort of like the tax conversation that a lot of a lot of couples have, where if they can reduce the overall cost of sending their child to college, and if they're both contributing toward their cost and they're both coming out ahead.
2: I agree completely. The more that we can keep in the collective family pocket versus the colleges or Uncle Sam or whatnot, I agree. It's a win-win. and It's a
0: real easy concept to sell to clients. It's, it's, not a, um, it's not a win-lose. It truly is a win-win. And whenever you can give somebody a win-win, they, they, they accept it and we can, we can move forward fairly easily.
2: Agreed. Um, one little piece of information that I came across recently and is probably pretty applicable to our uncertain times right now, um, sometimes people get divorced and for whatever reasons, usually financials still live in the same household for a little while. If two people are, if the parents are living in the same household, their marital status does not matter. Both parents' income has to be on the FAFSA. Oh. So it's important to know that as you're looking at it as Can well. Can you
1: move into a tent in the backyard?
2: Where are you getting your mail? <laughs> the Oba.
3: 1010, ten, 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 <laughs> on. And 10, 10 2. There
2: you go, exactly. Right. That's right. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of what other things I wanted to make sure I covered.
3: But, yeah, you know, what about children's income for, for the FAFSA?
2: Children's, oh, that is one. Uh, children, It's 12.5 that it's capped at, that they get forgiven for uh, earning under 12.5, and anything above that uh, is con- the 20% is contributed to the expected family contribution. Um, Grandparents, there are grandparents who put together these lovely 529 plans for the students. They should not use that money until junior and senior year of college because it gets added into the student income if it's used before that.
1: Hmm. So even if they have that money and they have to pay out of pocket, they should pay out of pocket at the beginning and then
2: use it at the end? Correct. Wow. Back the 529 plans towards the end. Wow.
0: And how Um, do other... and 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 how do other assets factor into the FAFSA and expected family contribution?
2: Uh, most assets count. So what, like what specifically?
0: Well, so um, will 529s be considered um, an asset of the, the child or of the parent, and and how does that factor in?
2: It's an asset of the child. Um, so it becomes 50% of that becomes what they should contribute to college. So if there's a 529 plan that they access, that's $20,000 then $10,000 becomes their income and offsets the financial aid. That makes sense. So
3: that's interesting because, um, 529s are considered a marital asset. They don't belong to the child, right? Because they are the, like a retirement plan, right? You can change the beneficiaries. So is there not that I'm loving being recorded saying like, how can we game the system, but is, um, a way, like, could you change the names on the beneficiaries of the 529s to take it out of a child's or I guess, a not really a child, but a freshman sophomore's name, right. Put into a name of a younger child and then activate it, put it back in the name of the older child. Once you've basically capped out all the rest of the money,
2: 529 plans can be transferred to siblings uh, yeah. whenever you want. So that's one of the risks that people always think about when they're contributing to 529 plans is well, what if, you know, Susie doesn't go to college? Great. Yeah. And Susie's siblings can reap the benefits of the 529 plan. So yeah, it can be transferred. Um, you just want to make sure that when you're taking it out, you're allocating it to those educational expenses.
1: Well, that's awesome information. And I think um, people got to think it through because that's one of the things, if you make a mistake, you make a mistake, right?
2: Yeah, it's hard to redo. Um, Also, when you're going through a divorce, if you're early on in the process, but you have kids in college, you can go early in the divorce process to um, your financial aid officer at the college and explain to them what's going on and they can make a financial judgment at that time. You know, we're supporting two households instead of one, there's extra expenditures for attorney fees and stuff like that. They can make that judgment at that time. You don't have to wait until next year's FAFSA to have them take a look at it.
1: Well, and what's interesting and kind of bringing this to a close, what's interesting is it makes me think about what we've been talking about, right? Like DIY is great. Um, Semi-DIY is better than DIY, but going to the right professionals is the right way to go because it seems like a mistake here and a mistake in a lot of the things we talked about today could probably you know, cost you more than it would to, to just do it the right way in the first place. And because there are no mulligans on a lot of this, it could be a real problem. So you know, I wanna really thank our, uh, our panel today. Uh, you know, as a reminder, we had uh, David Lewis from Loose Mediation Services. Mediator, Certified Divorce Financial Analyst, Collaborative Divorce Financial Neutral, and uh, expert in the Modest Means Program with Divorce, wait, Collaborative Divorce Illinois, you guys changed it on me, so i <laughs> get up with that. And Jessica Malmquist, owner and partner at Greenwich Law Group and uh, friend of the show, you've been on a couple of times. So thanks for helping us out and being on the show. Um, you know, I really like to always end the show by saying, if you like what we do, subscribe share it, get this information out to people. Um, Split ready is not about being pro-divorce, it's about being pro-divorce the right way, getting the right information having the right outcomes. So, If you have any questions, you can go to www.splitready.com. We have a really, really good assessment to get an idea of how ready you are for divorce. And I think that really touches nicely on what we talked about right now, where if you're going into COVID, you know, if we're looking at the second wave and you want to get an idea about how ready you are, go check out the assessment. Uh, And again, subscribe to our YouTube channel, like our Facebook page. Uh, what do we have? We have a, a LinkedIn page. we got all the social media. So go like and follow all our social media. And uh, you want to take us out, Mariah?
2: I will. If you or someone you know is thinking about divorce, uh, go to our website, splitready.com, and know that you can get through your divorce with your finances and your sanity intact, maybe your sense of humor.
1: There you go. And we'll see everybody next month. Have a good one. Thanks.